Um, well, Pastor Dave, thank you so much for that invitation and uh, introduction. Um, I know quite a number of us here, and many of you have come with us to Rwanda, and I just want to say thank you for always, uh, this congregation, for always being a part of what God is doing, uh, not just in this community, but around the world. Uh, in fact, I just came from Rwanda three weeks ago, and um, our team there is so excited to welcome uh, the next renovation team that comes next year. And as Dave said, you know, if you can pray uh, that you become one of those people that God is going to use uh, to help usher in a ripe harvest. I want to tell you, God is doing something really phenomenal in our day. And if you haven't been paying attention, uh, there is a movement of God, a movement of the Spirit of God that is... Um, moving all over the world. And, and when we go to Rwanda, we get to, be a, to, to witness uh, through this tiny window of a country what, what is representative of what God is doing globally. Now, of course, you get to see that in, here in Blaine and, um, and, and, and all over the world, you know, God moving and working and transforming lives. But I want to thank you uh, for the partnership that we have together uh, in sharing the good news of Jesus with people all over the world. Um, I come from Kenya originally, and um, you know, I'm one of 23 kids. Uh, if I had grown up here, we'll have a TV show, right? <laughs> It'll be called something like 23 and Counting. Um, and, and sometimes when I say that, people are like, what, your mom had 23 kids? And I say, well, actually, my dad is... Is, is married to two wives, you know? And so we'll have a second TV show. <laughs> so, so we'll have so many TV shows. Uh, but, you know, God found us, you know, in that state and drew us to himself, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, today, of course, most of my, uh, all of my family, they are followers of Jesus and have come to find the grace uh, that defines, has redefined who we are in Christ Jesus uh, beyond some of those cultural things um, of the past. Uh, but I want to share with us today from uh, the Gospel of John, uh, the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter. Uh, that will be my focus with you as we engage together in what Jesus is doing. <clears throat> uh, the main passage that I'm referencing is uh, John chapter 4 uh, from verse 7 all the way to verse 26. It's a long passage, uh, but don't worry, I'll not be reading all of it. Um, we will be uh, referencing several points along the way, and then at some point, uh, we'll have the text of uh, uh, John 4, 20 through 26 uh, on the screen so that you can follow along. But if you want to get your Bible and uh, we just dig in and read along as we go, or rather follow along the story as we go, that will be absolutely fine. But the, the, the passage concerns Jesus meeting with the Samaritan woman. Uh, many of us have probably heard of the Samaritan woman. Some of us, maybe this is your first time, you're getting to hear of this uh, woman. And we're told that Jesus and his disciples, as they are going about their ministry, they decide to pass through Samaria. Um, they get hungry and they decide to go find food. Uh, but in the meantime, Jesus waits by this well it's at noon, uh, she, he waits by this well. And as he is waiting, here comes this woman that we call the Samaritan woman. Uh, she is coming to look for uh, water. 
It's an odd hour in this culture because most women came to get their water in the morning. Uh, but this woman comes alone at noon, which tells you that there is something not exactly quite right, whether it is her alignment with her culture or maybe some, uh, something that, you know, socially awkward with her life that puts her apart and sort of like an outcast. Um, and of course, throughout the interaction, we find out some of those issues. Uh, but right away, Jesus looks at her, and what does he do? He says, hey, could you give me some water? Could you give me some water? And it is an interesting encounter because Jesus is being countercultural. Culturally, in this time and age and dispensation, for especially a Jewish man, seeking help from a Samaritan woman was taboo, right? It was taboo. It wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, leave alone the fact that this is Jesus, a rabbi, being seen to be talking to this woman who is basically an outcast and asking her for help. It is absolutely countercultural and out of the question for a Jewish male. And this surprises her. It gets her off guard. And in, the, in her reaction, we find that right away she begins to engage the issues that we would call the big issues. If you looked at this encounter through today's lenses, you'll find that in fact she hits on most of the issues that we are dealing with today. For example, she identifies the issue of rest. She says, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan. How can you be talking to me? And I think when we think about all of that in the American context, the history of America, and all of that, we can say, oh, wow, that's a big issue. You know, how can, uh, you know, that's a big issue that, you know, clouds most people's engagement with God and what God is trying to do in our day. The other issue that she runs, that she brings up right away, she says, I am a woman, you are a man, you know? And in today's culture, uh, the, there is this battle between uh, the, what we may call the battle of the sexes, right? Um, male and female and the, the, the tensions that go there, whether in the workplace or in politics. Um, and, and she right away brings this up to Jesus, there is the issue of, you know, uh, material things or, or wealth. She asked Jesus, you know, how are you going to give me living water seeing you have nothing that you can use to draw that water? And today, the things that we own or not own, the things we have or don't have, have become a big discussion, you know, in our culture and in our day. She also engages the issue of religion. She says, we Samaritans worship here in the mountains, but you Jews worship in Jerusalem. She's drawing a religious distinction, and in our day, that is a big issue that, you know, we have to wrestle with from culture to culture, place to place, separation of church and state, and all of these things that we engage with or deal with. Now, my goal in this message is not to decipher each one of them, 
uh, individually, but rather to help point us to where Jesus points this woman and how we also, like this Samaritan woman, can find the key to dealing with some of these issues that she was dealing with as well. Now, of course, when Jesus begins to, to, to engage with her, uh, he deals with her on the issue of identity. She asks, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? Since I'm a Samaritan woman. And we know that in our day and in our age, you know, we should take it for granted that all people are made in the image of God because it is, that's what the Bible uh, tells us. All people, all nations, all religions, I mean, uh, uh, all, all ethnicities, they are all the same. And even in America where you have two tribes, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans, <laughs> everybody is made in the image of God. You know, in Kenya where I grew up, we have 42, 43 tribes. You know, here you have two. Um, but all people are made in the image of God. They should be honored. They should be respected. They should be protected. And every notion of one group being superior to another is anti-biblical. It is anti-God and goes against the image of God. That's just the bottom line, right? And Jesus affirms that when, she, when he encounters this Samaritan woman. He assigns to her the same value, the same, um, the, the same uh, human value as he would assign to a Jewish male or a Jewish female. By virtue of him asking her for help, he's saying you have something valuable to contribute. You have something of significance in life. In fact, you have a mission in life that all of us can benefit from. This coming from Jesus who knew her, who understood her, and who saw that, in fact, she was an outcast coming out at an old hour to fetch the water or to fetch a drink for herself. Maybe you're here and you look at yourself, you wonder, how do I fit in God's big picture, being or seeing that I am such and such, I am a woman, I am a man that, you know, probably hasn't achieved much in life. Jesus says, you have something of value. You have something of value. Some of you may be wrestling with political uh, barriers in your mind. I've had people tell me, how can you tell me to believe the Bible when we know that this has been an instrument of oppression? And I say, no, this is the instrument of your liberty, of your freedom, and God clearly states it in the word that he has made us in his own image and in his own likeness. What has diminished us and taken away the image of God in our lives is our sin. And when we deal with sin in our lives, it restores to us that dignity and that honor and that place of respect and regard that Jesus wants us to have. Amen? She brings up the issue of her femininity. She says, I am a Samaritan woman. Now, we know today we have uh, what we may call the feminist movement, and, which is a range of mov movements and ideologies that you know, share a common goal, which is to define, establish, 
and achieve equal political, economic, cultural, personal, and social rights for women, uh, or equal opportunity for women in education and employment. And some people jump on this and they say, oh, the Bible, the Word of God, uh, whatever you may consider, the Scriptures is an oppressive instrument and has been an instrument of oppression for generations upon generations. And we will say, well, yes, historically, there have been people that have misused God's Word, have misused what God has stated in the Scriptures to, to be oppressive. But the oppression is a result of the human fallen nature. And Jesus, in encountering and engaging with this Samaritan woman, he puts dignity and respect and restoration to this gender imbalance that was prevalent in that day, but has carried on into our day. Jesus wants us to recognize that when we deal with our sin nature as human beings, we re he restores to us the very image of God, the very regard and respect and the place of honor that only He can be able to give to us. How about the issue of haposation? She says, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. Where then do you draw that living water? In other words, she's saying, hey, I got it. I have stuff, but you don't, right? You don't. I have stuff. I must be better than you are, right? I mean, you, you say you can bring me living water, but where is it? Hey, hey look, I, you know, I, I, have, I have a yacht. You know, I have the biggest home in Blaine. I, I have a plane that I can, that I can fly. I, I have the best jewelry. How about you know, sports teams and real estate. And many of us allow these temporary things to actually stand in the way. We are obsessed by the possessions, by the things that we can grab and, and bring into our circle of ownership and possession. Owning things is a great thing. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. In fact, God wants us to be good stewards of things. But when we allow those things to become idols in our lives, then we have just gone or contravened God's purpose for our lives. Some of us struggle to letting go or holding things loosely, and we allow it to stand in the way of the kingdom of God being established in our lives. We live by the mantra, he who dies with the most toys wins. Right? Some people, some, some of us. And we wrestle with that. And so we make it our life's goal to accumulate as many toys as we can. We, are, we think that we gain our value more through the things that we have, through the possessions that we can accumulate. But is that really the case? Is that really true that we gain our value? Not really. In fact, as we find in Jesus' continued conversation with this woman... Uh, we find that even though she had this item that she could draw water with, she was broken. She was, um, you know, she was on the very edge of society, and her life needed an injection of the true worth and the true meaning and the true purpose to life. When Jesus peels away a lot of these 
arguments and a lot of these issues and begins to open her eyes, she finally comes, begins the conversation around what is what she considers to be more important because she realizes, hey, Jesus is an answer for my uh, racial concern. Jesus is an answer for my um, identity issues. And, uh, but how about my religious issues? How about my religious issues? And in our day, there are people struggling and wrestling with religious issues. Some believe that all religions are equal. Just like this woman, you know, she wrestled. Is, is it the Jewish or Judaism, or is it the Samaritanism? Are we the right ones? Or is it the, Ju- the, the Judaism that, that the Jews, you know, pursue and, and engage with? And Jesus reminds her, he says, you know what? Um, and Jesus is not afraid to engage our issues. So he says, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to deal with you. I'm not afraid to have this discussion with you. I'm not afraid to show you. And he says, you know what? The faith, this faith is of the Jews. And, and God has been revealing himself historically through the Jewish community But guess what? A day is coming when true worshipers will worship God in truth or will worship the Father in truth and in spirit. Some of us have put up, you know, um, doctrinal barriers and we allow that to prevent us from engaging with what God is doing in the world. We put that barrier up and resist the outworking of God's power in our lives. We allow ourselves to be manipulated by our minds rather than allow the Holy Spirit of God and the light of God to shine in us. Some have allowed the differences of religious systems. Or what if Buddhism is the right one? What if Islam is the right one? What if Judaism is the right one? What if animism is the right one? You know? Don't always lead to God. But Jesus, responding to this Samaritan woman, uh, gives us an insight of how we should approach this. He says, yes, there are different systems of religion. Yes, there are different degrees of truth in in each one of them. And yes, there are some that are more right than others. In this case, Judaism, you know, is more right than what you are accustomed to, what you are referencing. But you know what Jesus says, and, uh, and if you can look that scripture up, it's, uh, you know, from verse 20, uh, 21. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. In other words, it's not about place. It is not about dogma. It's not about, you know, what we think is right or not right. But it's about revelation. It's about revelation. He says um, that, you know, in verse 22, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. He says, you know, this, yeah, Judaism has greater truth. Um, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in truth and in spirit. 
will worship the Father in truth and in spirit. And this is the call of God to us. That we come to a place where we have an encounter with the truth of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. What is truth? Jesus tells us that in fact truth is a person and truth is himself. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And when we find him, we get to know the true way to the Father. We get to understand the true path to wholeness, to salvation, to the issues of our lives. Jesus responds to our issues by saying, I am the living water. In fact, he says, if only you knew who is talking to you. And some of us have been resisting God, have been resisting his voice, have been resisting his invitation for many, many years probably. But Jesus says, if you only knew who is speaking to you, you would run to come to me. You would run to experience this life. You would lay down your excuses and your, um, your, your religious barriers that you've put up or your ethnic barriers you've laid up, your intellectual arguments that you have laid out. You will experience me and you will find that I can give you life and joy and grace. I will give you mercy. True worshipers, worship the Father in truth and in spirit. True worshipers, worship God in truth and in spirit. And that is the call that Jesus wants us to heed today. He wants us to know that he has come, that he's willing to engage with us whatever barriers we may be dealing with. Some of us are dealing with the barriers of evil in the world. How can a good God allow evil to exist in the world? Jesus says, I am willing to engage with you. I'm willing to show you that in fact, ultimately evil will be defeated. I'm willing to show you that my way is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm willing to walk with you on this journey. And this is really the invitation that I have with you today. I have for you today. I want to ask our worship team, you know, just to come up here as we, as we, come, as we come towards the end of this message. I don't know what barriers you are dealing with, what arguments you have today against the invitation of Jesus. I don't know what concerns you have in following Jesus. Maybe you've been so close and yet you are so far away, so close like this Samaritan woman so close to understanding the ways of God, and yet you feel so far away from the truth of God, guess what? This morning Jesus says, I who is speaking with you, I am he. What does he mean by I am he? He means I am Messiah. He means I am the truth you're searching for. He means I am the longing that you have in your heart. He means I am the answer to every question and issue that you're dealing with. He means I am the eternal life. And if you choose me, if you come to me, if you follow me, 
I will show you the right way. I'll give you the right identity. I'll give you the right purpose. I'll give you the right message. I'll give you your self-worth that you're desiring. I'll show you the way to the Father. I'll show you the, the answer to the ultimate question that you have in the depth of your heart. My friend, I want to extend this invitation to you just like Jesus extended to this woman, that you consider the claim of Jesus to be the living water. He says, I am the living water. I have the living water. You're thirsty? I will give it to you. And when you drink this water, you will never thirst again. It satisfies to the deepest degree that you can think about. Have you been searching for religious truth? Jesus says, I am the Messiah. I provide salvation. I have given my life, laid it down on the cross so that if you believe and you come to me and you let your weight of sin relieve it at the cross, I will take it and I will give you this cross that is far much more lighter. Are you wrestling with political issues and concerns and wondering where the truth lies? Jesus says, my truth, my truth that I give to you is greater than any truth that you can find in the world. And when you get my perspective, it helps you to navigate everything else. This is the invitation of Jesus. This woman took it. She embraced it, she internalized it, and she ran into the city and invited everybody to come hear Jesus. And guess what? When they heard Jesus, they turned to her, they said, we believe, not because of what you told us, but because we have encountered him for ourselves. Today is an opportunity for you to encounter Jesus for yourself. Let's bow down in prayer. Maybe you're here and that is a quest you have in your heart, wanting to encounter Jesus. I want you to be bold and to say, you know what, Jesus, I want you, and I want to come to you right now. I lay down the barriers I have in my heart, in my path, and I'm one, I want to seek you. If that is you and you want Jesus in your heart to be Savior, to be Lord, to be King, Maybe just indicate by raising up your hand right now as we are bowed in prayer, and I would love to pray with you. Is there anyone like that this morning? You know deep inside your heart that you could use this Savior. In fact, if you're there, just stand on your feet. I would love to pray with you right now. Or you've drifted off. You've allowed yourself to kind of just get off course. And this morning you see Jesus seeking for you, calling you, saying, come to me. I will give you hope and life. If that is you, just stand on your feet right now. You want to encounter Jesus. I'll, I'll love to pray for you in this moment and pray with you. Is there anyone like that? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you for the truth of your son. Jesus. We thank you for the work that he has accomplished. We thank you for the cross that confronts us 
confronts our sin, confronts our wickedness, and seeks to transform us and to heal us. I know that in this place this morning, we have hearts that are desiring an encounter with you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit will touch, will revive, will draw close to you. That just like this woman found an answer in Christ, this heart, this morning, will find an answer in you because your word is alive. Therefore, Holy Spirit, minister to everyone here in Jesus' name. If you're here and you want somebody to pray with you at the end of this service, you know, we'll have um, a prayer team that would love to pray with you. Uh, but right now, I'll just uh, let our worship team uh, lead us to the end.